right, KISS Army. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. We hope that you enjoy. 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 It's been a long time since we've rock and rolled, but that all changes this August as Rockin' Pod returns to Nashville. This annual convention brings together rock artists, fans, and podcasters for an unforgettable rock experience. Special guests this year include Billy Sheehan, Ron Keel, Don Jameson of That Metal Show, and current and former members of Winger, LA Guns, Accept, and more. Stage panels, signing sessions, and photo ops will be available, plus lots of vinyl and memorabilia vendors. Music podcasters from all over North America will be appearing on site for live interviews, speaking sessions, networking, and more. Got a music podcast? Register and join us. Rockin' Pod Weekend kicks off with a pre-party featuring former Tesla guitarist Tommy Skeo and his new band Resist and Bite making their debut performance, as well as a rare hair set featuring surprise guests performing all-time classics. Rockin' Pod Weekend takes place August 6th through the 8th in Nashville, Tennessee. Tickets, VIP passes, podcast registration, and discounted hotel rooms are available now at rockandpod.com. Rockin' Pod is brought to you by DBG Productions, Bradley Entertainment, and Encaptia. Welcome to episode 355 of the Kiss FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. Today I'm joined by Daniel Wheeze, who's staying up late just to hang out with us. Yeah, because I can and I have. I'm on a holiday as, as usual. Socialist. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All the way, man. <laughs> also, uh, Ken 69th Blizzard. Hello there. And St. Louis Kiss Lottie. What's up? You know, Europe. Europe, free healthcare, yeah. lots of holidays. <laughs> My my sister's always posting that she's going on another vacation, another holiday. I'm like, damn it! All right. So, um, what news? Well, obviously today the Walmart uh, Mania LP thing dropped, um, became available for order. Which ones of you are sheep? I went out and got that. Come on, admit it. Right here. Kiss World <laughs> of all things in red yeah. vinyl, and you know what? It actually looks good. What do you think, Lonnie? It looks better than the original colored vinyl, actually. I think I think the red is is actually looks really crisp and and it complements it a whole lot better than than the yellow did. Um, I don't know. I I'm a sheep, I guess. I I saw it this, I saw it this morning. I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna. People are commenting that they couldn't get it. And I logged on. I was able to get it. And I'm like, all right, I got it. Probably should have ordered a couple, and then made my money back but then people would start screaming at me on the internet they'd, they'd harass you they'd call you a right. communist or something um <laughs> ca- they'd call you names but who would have ever thought that people would end up with five copies of kiss world right. <laughs> no doubt. when it came yeah, out when it came out originally in europe a few summers ago when uh, they were touring europe the, right. the kiss world tour and we all just kind of rolled our eyes at it oh geez another compilation who cares you know now I have yeah. multiple, multiple copies of this greatest hits album. What, what do you do with all this stuff? Oh, I look at it. <laughs> do, do, do you open it? or do, You don't even open it. You just put it in. 
I don't get it. No, that's that's what that's why we're Kiss fans. We buy three of everything: one to open, one to store, and one to sell to try and make enough money back to pay for the other two copies that we bought. Yeah. I actually bought uh, I bought another book, The Ultimate uh, Kiss Fanzine Phenomenon. I don't know if you've read it. I thought that was kind of cool. It's an old book, but that uh, was the that was Ken Sharp, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I think it's it. It, but it's mostly interviews with uh, uh, Nico and people who ran fanzines. Uh, kind of cool to like a you know a document of 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 that period. All the fanzines, yeah. Yeah. Actually, most of them were active in in the 90s, where yeah. just because there weren't any Kiss news, so so they popped up all over the place. I, I thought I thought it was kind of cool to read. I read it this weekend. Kind of a cool book. No, that that is cool, and you know, who knows? There are you can some... actually use it. You can actually use it and look at it and read it, and you <laughs> learn something from it. So so that's my cup of tea. Yeah, can bought anything. Uh. No. What? No, no. Like I was, I was on the. Like I told Lonnie, I was on the fence about the uh, Kiss World, the red vinyl. So we'll we'll see. Anything's yeah. possible. Yeah. So so Sorry. who knows? People work for the fucking alarm company. No one knows how to set the damn thing. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. So there's a couple of topics. Daniel's come up with a good one for us to talk about. It's going to be, you know, the non-U.S. tours and our perspectives, you know, since three out of four of us did not go to any of these non-U.S. tours. Um, but 83 to 95, basically, we're just going to talk about those, some of the high points and low points of each one of these. You know, um, you came up with a whole bunch of really cool metrics that I just didn't have the energy to kind of deal with. But we are going to go by those, you know, the set list, the stage and special effects, the energy, the chemistry, original ideas, you know, staging and costumes. You know, we're going to wrap it into a little bit less mathematical, you know, just for perspectives on on these tours and you know maybe try and determine which one of these was the greatest non-american tour um in that period 76 and 80 don't count you got to take 80 out because obviously Kisteria in australia just skews the whole equation uh but just a couple of quick topics from the board because i did see one today that really did kind of pique my interest daniel what three deep cuts would you play to someone who doesn't know kiss well, it all depends, but uh, if I would pick three that I really like that I don't think people in general like, I would pick, you know, like I've Had Enough Into the Fire, uh, King of the Mountain, and uh, Unholy, I think. Those three. I would go a, a bit, uh, you know, 80s and 90s on them. On them. Yeah. Nice. Lonnie, he called Unholy a deep cut. Which three would you no. pick? I agree. Yeah, I but, but on, I, yeah. I agree on Holy is a deep cut. It's not. It's not mainstream. I, I don't. I don't hear it on the radio. You know. I, I think. You know. I'm gonna go the route of. You know. What would I play for someone who doesn't know Kiss? Like the casual Kiss fan knows the songs that they may hear on the radio. You know, Rock and Roll All Night. I was made for loving you. Shout it out loud. A Doctor Love. Things like that. And that's really about it that you might hear on the radio. But. I'd go. I I would go unholy as well. I I agree with 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 Daniel. I, it's a big shocker. I'm going to say that, but I'm I'd also go with um with lover all I can because I think it's really poppy and really catchy. 
Um, and I think I think that could cook. Oh, I didn't realize that. You know, that might someone might when they think a kiss, they might think, well, it's really really heavy, and unholy is heavy. But like, well, they're also this. They're they're very, you know, they're, they're, it's a, a wide variety of of music genre. And then I'd go. Um, I'd go come on and love me too. I'm gonna to, I'm gonna go double dip on dress the kill. Dress the kill. Why not pop perfection? Right. Both of those, and that that was actually gonna be one of my picks, but uh, we'll get, go, I'll go last. Ken. Am I on mute? No. <laughs> no, you're not um, now. Okay. <laughs> Murdering high heels. Murdering high heels. No, 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 no. Uh, well, you know, first of all, I would have to think of who I'm talking to about this, because, you know, based on whatever music they listen to, if they listen to all pop, I'm going to maybe choose a little bit of this or that. And then if they're really, really into heavy, hard stuff, then I may pick a different set of three songs. But just to pick a few, um, I'll go with, I, I was thinking, Come On and Love Me. Uh, too, also. Um, I also thought um, maybe uh, Charisma. You know, I'm going a little bit more of the poppier side. But then maybe throw them one one hard one in there. Um, something like, you know, you know, Not for the Innocent or something like that. You know? Yeah. Just as a variety. <laughs> but Normally, what I do, yeah, like I said, I, I pick either three more of the poppier stuff, or I just pick more, more of the heavier stuff. Because usually, you know, a person and this one person listens to this or that style of music most of the time. Then I go with whatever was kind of in that, you know, close to the what they like. Yeah, I think "Come On and Love Me," as I've already mentioned, is just poppy '70s kiss. Great, you know, uh, even haters you'd probably be able to get them to enjoy that one. Um, I think Daniel nails it with Unholy. That's a good, a very good pick, and I'm going to agree with that. And then um, I would go with something that maybe they saw on MTV in the 80s and didn't realize or don't remember, and Tears Are Falling. You know, simply go with that, you yeah. know, somewhat popular yeah. one from the 80s, which never did become massive, but might just jog their memory. Uh, and just because, again, it was that first song for me. Um, I'm going to have to take a phone call. So, Daniel, do you want to okay. do you want to lead the guys Please. into the discussion? I, I have an additional question. Uh, uh, go ahead. In the same realm, so to speak. I think if, if you're at a party and you can only show one short video, music video from Kiss... Which one would you pick? Because that's very common over here when you're at a party. Someone, you, everyone has that big, big TV and YouTube is is on, and and people pick music videos. Which one mm -hmm. would you pick? If you if you were with guys who who had, didn't know that much about Kiss and you would like to show them a video that you knew was very good. And they didn't know rock and roll all night either. <laughs> uh, they probably know rock and they roll. They probably know that. Yeah. But that's about it. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, something else. Uh, a video, like a yeah. one song or a. a yeah. What know. one song? One song that they can put on. I think of their four video. minutes of bliss. Yeah. I can start. I will. Uh, okay, choose... I got one. Okay, I got you one. got one. Good. I love it loud. Mm. Yeah, that's. That's yeah. <laughs> 
that's it's, it's a, I mean, it, that's a, I mean, that is a, just a great video with a great stage and the whole thing. So, you know. Yeah, true. What about Lonnie? That's good. Um, I was thinking I love it loud. Um, but I think I'm gonna go with their, their videos are different. Some are really bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? You think about MTV's heyday, like, oh, some of them are, are a little cringeworthy. All hills breaking loose. Turn on, <laughs> turn on the night. All hell's crazy loose. nights videos are a little, are kind of cringeworthy. All night, yeah. You know, um, but we also your, have videos from Psycho Circus, Modern Day Delight. Like have with those as well. Modern Day Delight one's not bad. No, I'll go Maybe. Modern Day Delight. That's not bad. No, I think they could have. They, they tried to be as, as pure as possible on that and just, uh, you know, the band on stage and the crowd and just like a simple old school type music video. Modern Day Delight was actually a good pick. I'm going to go with that. I always yours? Pick this, yeah, I always pick the same one and people just, their jaws drop. I always pick Unholy and they say, this is Kiss because yeah. uh, it's so raw and brutal and uh, I really like the video as well, even though it might feel a bit dated with the black and white now and so on but i, I still think it kind of holds up well and the no makeup probably throws people off too just to begin with yeah that's true you know they're just yeah, so like, see. oh they yeah were... i heard they didn't wear makeup for a while but yeah. like but even yeah. the band just ignores that era completely too so yeah it's you know. become a little bit better you you get the 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 the, the t-shirts here and uh and uh some stuff but uh Really, they have haven't done a lot about the the non makeup era. There's a whole lot they could do with it, but yeah, I, don't. I would have loved if they had done a War Machine video. I mean, that would have been yeah, that could have been real cool. They could have done cool stuff with that. We'll I see n next year, 2022. I mean, that's that's there's an anniversary coming up, Lonnie, isn't that right? Or the anniversary of, of, of Creatures and I. They can do a and and also and also like, revenge yeah, also yeah revenge. that could be so well the elders this year. if they would do anything <laughs> that has to do with the non-makeup era i th think it's revenge all the way because i think they still are kind of proud about that record and and the way they looked and everyone is satisfied with how they looked even gene so there might be something down the line next year hopefully at least Okay, should we move over to the topic? I, I think uh, Julian altered it a bit, but uh, from what I understand, we're going to have a look at the uh, non-American tours from 83 to 95. So yeah. it's basically the non-makeup era, starting off with uh, the Lick It Up tour and ending in Australia, I think was the last one in, they did mm -hmm. in 95. So we'll just start with the Lick It Up tour. And I think, the one who should start this one is the Lick It Up fan number one, Ken. What do you have to say about? I guess they played Europe, and that was it. They I guess go according to, to Julian, they started in uh, Lisbon, Portugal. Yeah, Lisbon. Yeah, Oh, the, the Portugal one, right, right. Um, yeah, Lisbon is the first one, the yeah. and then the second one I think was Lisbon, right? According to according to this book, I believe. Um, yeah, I mean, I was reading in that book about the story of uh, the the first show where it was rumored that you know Gene Simmons had possibly had spit blood in that mm -hmm. show. 
mm-hmm. uh, but it was up on the board today. Did you see the pictures that they posted on the board? Did they do some fake ones again? No, no something? fake ones, but they showed his moves. You know, he did all the moves that he did in. Oh yeah, know, the, the creature stuff, store. the moves. Yeah, yeah. he he was you still know, in that rolling demon his mode. eyes and and yeah, demon mode. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then there's the other story about earlier on that tour where the guy, uh, his base tech, jeans, uh, was giving him the uh, the the solution or the gasoline or whatever for breathing fire, but he gave him the, the wrong stuff. He didn't, he didn't give him the stuff that burns out quickly and, and disappears. He, he gave him a, a more potent thing and it just like torched everything. And it, and it even like was burning on the, on the, uh, like the mic, mic stand with the picks or something like that. So, uh, some crazy stuff like that happened, but, um, there are there aren't a lot of videos around from the Lick It Up era, but no. you, you have some footage from those that first show I think from 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 Portugal that that you can mm-hmm. take into account. And then yeah. there's some from from S, isn't it? Or was it the Creature Store S? And I don't remember. Yeah, the S, uh, yeah the, the thing that stands out about this tour, um, I know I saw them in you know here, but over there, uh, I was looking at the set list at the Lisbon yeah. one. And I noticed what's interesting is they only had uh, six songs from their from the the uh, makeup. Well, not makeup, but I would say the the seventies. Yeah, only six starting fresh. Yeah, and three of them were from the first album. Rebooting. Only one from Destroyer, I think, Mm -hmm. and. there was another. What was the other one? Rock and Roll Night, of course. Rock and Roll Night. Uh, and it's just like, wow. They they just <laughs> it was loaded with, with creatures, stuff, and uh, and you know and lick it up. Yeah. I mean, they were proud of those records. Yeah, they should be. Yeah, and they were yeah they were trying to, to you know remarket and rebrand themselves. Rebrand and, and and you know kind of push away from what they were, I guess, um, in the seventies. Um, and yeah, like you said, remarket, rebrand, start over a new start. Yeah. Therefore the, you know, the, no makeup. So. Yeah. So what do you say about, uh, the chemistry on stage with Vinny and also <laughs> the look of the stage and maybe what about the effects they use? Yeah. Well, the effects if were any- talking- they were definitely toned down. I know they toned yeah. them down anyway, but uh, even while well, the concert I saw, because they toned down the, the the where they played, there was no there was no effects. There was no I mean there was no fire or anything. It was just the explosion and and you know uh, smoke coming out of the mm-hmm. the turret, turret. right. Uh, otherwise, yeah, there was no effects. So yeah, they 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 calmed that down. So they had to do it with their with their energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which they had a yeah. lot of, and they didn't mm-hmm. have the added weight of all the, the costumes and the and the boots exactly. and stuff, so they could run around, jump around. So the chemistry, the chemistry is okay. Uh, I don't know, I don't know, Vinny ever fit in, totally. He it's was kind of just that guy, um, you know, new guy still at that point, even yeah. though it was a second tour. So, yeah. The staging is 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 great. I mean, there's a great stage, but to, to tell you the truth, I think this tank stage just worked better still with the makeup. I just think it just I don't know what it was. Something about 
them in makeup with what they were wearing uh, on that stage was pretty much the ultimate. Uh, their new outfits or whatever they were wearing, <laughs> torn torn clothes and yeah. ratty stuff they picked up at you know the homeless shelter. I, I don't I don't know. You know it's just it just didn't I don't think but, work too. Well. But all in all, you you think it was it looked pretty cool and they had a lot of energy and at the time it looked pretty yeah. cool i didn't care for the extra you know makeup or blush they were putting on their cheeks and then the 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 line you know uh eyeliner you know no. that sort of thing yeah otherwise what it was about, okay what about you lana yeah i i remember maybe it wasn't lick it up exactly but pretty early on and i was a kid and my dad saying, "Well, they wear just as much makeup now as they did before. I don't really know what you're, yeah. what you're, what you're, you know, what the whole deal is about." And I remember my dad saying that when I was really, really young. So, um, but no, I, I think it's an excellent point that that set list that they they really were trying to step away from being the band that they were in the '70s and and showcasing those last two albums. Creatures hadn't sold very well at that point, and well, never did really sell extremely well but they were really but they were still proud of it and they were really proud of lick it up and you know i got you know they wanted a few more songs to round out the set list besides just those two albums so why not detroit rock city and firehouse because we're still going to breathe the fire and rock and roll night so and, and and they play cold gin as well but they look i think you know, it was a new energy for him being, it, it, I'm sure it just felt free. Like Ken said, that you could, yeah. all of a sudden I can run around on stage without seven inch platform heels on and 30 pounds of armor weighting me down all of a sudden. I mean, it's like a, it's like a baseball player puts a weight on his bat when he's in the on deck circle and goes up to, to swing and all of a sudden, oh, I got a, a whole lot more bat speed all of a sudden. So. Um, I don't get those baseball references. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> but. You know, I, I think you know. I, I think it was was liberating for him taking it off, and it, and it brought new energy. But um, definitely, definitely, definitely a, a neat tour to look at of their first few dates in Europe without without the makeup. You know, uh, Lonnie, you said about the the uh, the weight of the costumes. You know, thirty pounds. Yeah. You notice how now it's like fifty pounds. Oh yeah, they keep making. But but, but the thing is, wait a minute technology has come so far where you can create things that are much lighter now nowadays than they were with the same, you know, kind of, uh, you know, sturdiness or whatever. But the, the weight keeps going up. It's like, wait a minute, that math doesn't work. You know, <laughs> you would think they would make You're it saying up. they're lying and the, to us? And the band gets older too. You'd think they'd make them a little lighter and a little more easier for them. But yeah, like, exactly. No, we're going to punish you. I, I don't care if you're 65. This costume's going to be heavier than last year. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, well, um, when I watch the Lick It Up tour, that's what stands out the energy from the band, the way they run around. Even Paul seems more energetic. I didn't even think it was possible, but but his running around the few clips I've seen, it looks real cool. And you can of course see more of it in the Animalize video uh, that came two, one or two years later. Um, but Gene really looks strange. I mean, he doesn't really seem 
to be knowing what he's supposed to be doing. And he's, but he's still running around a whole lot. So it kind of makes up for it that way. But it's pretty obvious that he was the one who, who struggled the most. Vinny, I think, fits in just fine and, and does a hell of a job, except for playing the solos a bit too long at times. But, uh, but other than that, it looks great. And I like the tank as well, but they had no effects. And uh, the tour didn't do that well either. Uh, mm. But I think it was cool that they stayed behind the Creatures of the Night album. Because usually when something flops for Kiss, they just say, we hate that record. It's the worst thing we've ever done. But here they managed to see the quality and 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 managed to see that they had some really good, strong um, songs that they could use live. And they stayed with it. And uh, so I, I liked the set list. And I think it was the only way to go. Uh, you know, reboot, restart, and start building up once again. So I, I like the tour. I think it works fine. So let's hear what Julian has to say about the Lick It Up European tour. Um, I think you guys covered it all, really. I think yeah. Gene, Gene is like he's still in makeup and costume, still behaving, yeah. you know, with those mannerisms. And we, we've talked about how he was the last to get comfortable in his own skin, you know, many times before. I think the set list is the biggest deal for the European tour, how they came out with, what was it, six songs or five songs mm -hmm. from the album. Um, and kept in, you know, songs from Creatures. So it really skewed the whole dynamic of the show and, and brought it kicking and screaming into the mid-80s. It's like they jettisoned their past uh, to a certain extent. Yeah. Paul's energy on stage, fantastic. Um, Daniel, you said Vinny was just perfectly fine, um, except for what he did to a few solos. Eric was completely comfortable mm -hmm. in his unitard. Um, so there wasn't, that much, there wasn't that much of a change for Eric because he just really kept wearing the same kind of thing back there and no one could really see yeah. what he was wearing, so it didn't matter. Yeah. Uh, but for the front men, Paul instantly took to that front man role, uh, but he also redefined himself. His raps changed a, a lot, yeah. but it, like he flipped a switch and then he never switched again. You know, you have 80s Paul, you have makeup Paul, and you know, he doesn't change up much in between. It's the same stories for the next five years in between songs. Um, so great energy. The tank, I think it was smart for them to reuse that, even though there was limited additional effects. And, you know, that had happened in the U.S. as well, a decreasing amount of effects. They still kept a lot of the same sound effect tapes, the turbines and all the stuff that had been... Um, they're playing background effects um, during uh, solos and, and sequences. So for the Europeans, I think they got the best of both worlds because they got a very raw kiss debuted on them. Um, a very uncomfortable kiss as well in some ways. So uh, lick it up to yeah. them. Fantastic. But in, in Scandinavia, this was a real restart for kiss. Uh, they had a lot of magazines that... Uh, help them uh, promote the record and the tour. For example, the OK magazine did loads of stuff of, of KISS and uh, they became, I think, more popular than they had ever been actually uh, in the early 80s. And then they started dropping fans maybe around 85, 86. But, but uh, for a few years there, they were top of the line and people thought they were the biggest thing around, even if they weren't. 
So, so uh, the Sweden was really excited to have them over here, even though well, they just What played. were the best bootlegs from that tour? The Tickler, that Scandinavian yeah. at Gothenburg, or, or Gothenburg, yeah. however you say it. You know, th- those are really some of the most popular bootlegs from the tour are from Sweden. Yeah. Uh, but but w- when you hear fans who attended, they were kind of shocked because they were expecting this big, huge stage with bombs and everything. And then they played some, I know they played a place in the south of Sweden that uh, uh, with an attendance of a maximal, maximum attendance of two and a half thousand people. So they played p- pretty small places and they didn't have a lot of effects. So some people were a bit disappointed, but I guess they managed to make up for it with the energy and and this the, the album was strong and and the success of course so that was the first for a few years at least i mean they had a strong record that actually sold uh, so i'm kind of surprised it didn't do more in in america uh, when it comes to attendance numbers i mean they were around 5000 uh, too much competition average too much yeah, competition maybe. yeah too much new uh, bands coming up uh, being more popular yeah i mean if you go back and you look at like box office uh, you know box scores and and receipts yeah. you know there were the bands that were up here and there were the rest that you know pretty much were all jammed within a a, a, a pretty you know reasonable range and kiss was right in there you know they just couldn't break out of that for the 80s where some other bands that had a had similar sorts of issues did manage to break out kiss just stayed in the middle of the pack uh for much of it so you're going to keep on hosting daniel keep going no 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 you you take over <laughs> all right so let's jump into animalize the next tour because come september 1984 they're back in europe again um there's Obviously, one big difference is the guitarist has changed. But what else changed? Uh, Daniel, then, I'm going to start with you on your thoughts of this tour. Well, I think they managed to um, continue the success they had with Lick It Up. I mean, uh, Animal Eyes might not, not be as strong of an album, but it sold more in America. And they had a big hit with Heavens on Fire. It might be the most popular song over here from Kiss still to this day. And uh, they continued to try to reboot themselves and uh, stray away from from the early stuff. And now they had three pretty good albums in a row. So they managed to put pretty new songs into to the, to the uh, set list, uh, which made them feel kind of... Uh, like they were current, you know. Uh, they, they didn't feel like the old band of the 70s. They felt like a, a current band. And they still, even though they had Murder in High Heels and all that shit on, on the album, uh, they had a few strong ones. They had I've Had Enough Into the Fire, which was played several times in Europe. Uh, I mean, throughout the UK, I think they played that one, and maybe for a few more dates. And they also had uh, Under the Gun, which I like, and which is, uh, you know, up-tempo song that fits the the kiss show and they had heavens of fire and later on i think they added thrills in the night as well to the set list and they still had all the great songs from lick it up like fits like a glove and lick it up and and um, also uh, a few of the creatures songs so, so uh, and they made a new stage 
but not for the European tour. They actually reused one of the old ones, but I think it looks kind of unmasked. Right? Yeah, the unma unmasked stage, but they repainted it, put some, uh, you know, leopard paintings on there, and then, right. and uh, I think it looked good enough. They still had the cool ki classic Kiss logo in the, in the back, and. Uh, mm, so, so I think the Animalized tour was a bit of a step up, and Gene was a bit more comfortable in his role, and Bruce, you know, they they call him Spruce, meaning he just stands around. I don't think he just stood around, but what he did do was play every song uh, very, very good. So uh, they sounded great, uh, and they could rely on him, and he was a team player and all that stuff. So I think. As a band, they felt more comfortable because they didn't have to deal with Vinny and his uh, strange manners all the time. They had Bruce, they knew what to expect, and they could, you know, plan ahead and knew what was coming. And I think that uh, tour is really, really good. And probably the most successful of the 80s, I think. Uh, um, and even in America, they managed to put some people in the seat once again. So that was really cool. I, I, I like the, the, the tour. Yeah, so starting out the tour, again, they had five songs from the new album, just like they did the previous year. So that's incredible when you think of it. Two albums, ten songs debuting on the first nights of the tour. Obviously, two of them didn't last because, you know, Animal Eye simply doesn't have the same proportion of quality material on it. But, you know, burn, bitch, burn. Get all you yeah. can take. Yeah. But then again, you know, then you do get thrills in the night getting out of late, like Daniel said. Lonnie, what are your thoughts on uh, the unmasked, the unmasked, the um, animalized tour, the, the animalized unmasked tour stage? On the unmasked stage. Um, I, I, I think, you know, it, it's good. And I, I, I like, I really like how much new material they're playing at the time and really just make, just really going for this, this rebranding effort that they've put in, you know, they've released two non-makeup albums two years in a row now they're you know this is who we are you know we're, we're proud of who we are now the makeup's yeah. fine but this is who we are now and they're really proud of it um i still think gene looks goofy and i think that's going to be a reoccurring theme <laughs> um going here for, for the next few tours I, the the gene wigs on the animalized <laughs> tour look especially bad but that's you know he 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 had a lot of outside interests at the time, but he, he still showed up for for the tours, obviously. Um, and I said, I think it's great all the, the new material. I just, I just I can't get over that when I when I look at it and see all the all the new material that is being played off these three albums. Because mm -hmm. when a band tours now, and especially like a classic band like Kiss tours now, you might get one if they if they have a new album. You might get one. You might get two songs off a new album, but because everybody everybody wants to hear the hits. Well, they were they were ignoring the, the hits. They were ignoring their their success that they had the previous decade. And you know, yeah, they did play rock and roll night. Yeah, they did play Detroit Rock City, but they were putting it all out there for these three albums in a row, which are you know good albums. Putting it out there that. This is who we are moving forward, like it or not. Well, damn right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ken. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree with everything you guys say. 
I also noticed, and it's kind of like the last one, um, they only played five songs from the 70s again. Uh, and and that got me thinking, because I remember, you know, these tours, because I was around going to these shows, at least, you know, here in the U.S. Um, the big shock that we got later on, that when they started to pull up, started to play the old songs again, which they weren't playing through these you know, these first few tours, they because they were straying away from that the old stuff, '70s stuff, and 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 it was such a great thing later on when when we you know it was it was it was a double-edged sword because you got the a lot of the new songs that were on the newer albums and, which were all great, and then and you lost it there, but then later on it was kind of cool when some of the songs started coming back into the set list, you know, such as, you know, hot when hot in the shade happened, that really kind of everything hit at that point. Uh, you kind of had the perfect set list at that time, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I think this, the stage, yeah, it's, it's a money savings thing to, to save money, you know, uh, like they did with look it up and the, and the tank stage. Um, another thing I remember, yeah, it, I think Animalize was their, you know, they were ascending again um, um, at that point where, you know, Creatures and Look It Up was a little bit level or going a little down, but the attendance was really starting to pick up again in uh, Animalize. And I, I noticed it when I saw the Animalize tour here. Um, it was, I almost got trampled, you know. <laughs> it was crazy. It really was. The, the, the fans were kind of really nuts. They had this barricade and people were pushing and everything it was it was crazy like what's going on here you know this is this hasn't happened in a while uh for kiss so um yeah i think it was a a, a real cool tour and i found my mute button um you, you would think with how often we do these shows that it would be instantaneous. We all know where our mute button is, but it seems to afflict me every time i do a call um animalize yeah, it's in some ways it's a step up from Lick It Up, but it doesn't supersede. Um, I prefer Lick It Up, the tour, the sets, the the shows, to Animalize because that's where the tempo increase starts, and I really don't like the speed at which the songs are being performed. I, I've no. already mentioned that I'm happy with the songs that they introduce. I love I've Had Enough Into the Fire Live. That is really good. I do love Under the Gun even at that tempo, is perfectly fine. And Heaven's on Fire is a fantastic song live. Um, costumes. Vast improvement on yeah. Lick It Up. That is one area where now it feels like they have a little bit more of a unified approach to the theme of the tour, whereas each one of them seem to be dressing themselves um, for Lick It Up. And in Gene's case, someone should have been giving him advice Um a, a little bit more and paul for that matter with his ripped jeans and band you know they didn't mm -hmm. look good on lick it up but they started to look more like what other bands were doing in the mid 80s uh so a consistency yeah well you know it went with the theme for better or worse yeah. um it was at least an improvement and then the audiences certainly do you know help i'm sure as does changing the opening song back to Detroit Rock City. You know, on the previous tour, it had been, you know, they've been opening with Creatures. Now they go back to at least a little bit more traditional 
and they're closing the shows with Black Diamond, which I'm, I, I don't know whether I really care. I, again, I wasn't there. Ken was. You know, I don't know if I care if Rock and Roll All Night is the last song of the night or whether that's just the last song before the encores. I don't know if it matters to me. So in every in every way other than the set and the speed, it's an improvement. It's certainly much better in that sense. You know, real quick on that set list, when I was a when I was in high school, I was talking to a guy at the record store I was at, and he was talking to me that that he had saw Kiss on the on the Animalized tour, and as you know, a seventeen year old kid, I'm like, oh, I can entranced by it, you know, like really, you know, he's like, mm. he's like, yeah, you know, you know, they came out and they played Detroit Rock City and Cold Gin. I'm like, all right, this is great. He goes, and then they started playing all this other weird shit, and <laughs> I just wasn't into it at all. So it's just like, you know, we're sitting here praising the set list saying, oh, it's great. They're playing this new stuff. Like, I, I, I don't think it was received this in the at that time by everyone as, oh, this is great. You know, I think a lot of people, especially maybe fans that saw them, you know, eight years ago in 76 are like, well, no, this isn't what I, I, I want to see Kiss. I want to see the band that I saw eight years ago and hear those songs that got me in the Kiss. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I think it. It is still a double-edged sword, even then, where people are like, want to hear the songs that got them into the band, not the new stuff. Even, even back then, even much as we're praising the set list. So it's a never-ending it, battle. I mean, when it correct. comes to Animalize as well, is one of Paul's main rap was the Michael Jackson doll, and <laughs> bashing Michael Jackson and yeah. doing, you know, the yeah, little voices. I mean, that is a low point for me for Paul's raps yeah. in concert. Yeah, just how, you know, he started to swear a lot more. You're trying yeah. to be so, you know, edgy. You're tough and cool. Yeah. You know, and, and there are some bands that swear and it's just part of their natural it's essence. Yeah. Um, Paul Stanley uh, doesn't strike me as that sort of person who sits around in casual conversation with that single glass of wine from which only a sip is taken, you know, effing and blinding and getting his little doll out of his jacket pocket to, you know, make fun of. It's just mean girls. He could have had a fight with the, you know, the Michael the Jackson doll. and the Paul Stanley doll, you know. Yeah. The Vinnie Vincent yeah. doll and the, and the Michael Jackson <laughs> doll. The Vinnie Vincent doll. Yeah, but but I, think, I think the band benefited a lot from, from a greater attendance at the concerts because I think especially Paul feeds off the audience. And he could certainly feel that more people were coming to the show. Uh, he got excited. He, he performed even better. And of course, he was happier. And when Paul's happy, uh, the band around him is also happy. And that leads into the next tour, the European tour, where I think he might not have been as happy. And it might have affected the chemistry and the way the band performed. Well, one last point before we move, yep. and we jump forward two years, is what a difference opening act makes. Because in 84 in Europe, he had Bon Jovi, who were on their ascendancy, who were a much, I'm sorry, uh, who did he have the year before? Helix? And and the other band. God, I can't even remember them. Got a copy of Kiss Alive Forever right here. (laughs) Except I'm wearing my glasses, so I can't see shit. Give me an R! Oh, that was Helix, Helix, wasn't it? Yeah, but in England they had, uh, God... Heavy pet. 
oh, who uh, who Gene was trying to sell demos to. Yeah, so both of those. Helix was okay, but Helix only really ever had one song. Yeah. So uh, let's move on to Crazy Nights. They skip Asylum, and they come back to Europe for Monsters of Rock. They start off in London at the Marquee Club, and then they do Monsters of Rock at Donington and move on to doing a Monsters of Rock tour throughout Europe and then do some selective uh, transitions into a regular headlining tour. So, Ken. Yes. Yeah, well, again, I noticed... Now, this is where the beginning of the, the starting to add more of the, the, the classic Kiss songs to the back into the... It went from five to ten, I think. Mm-hmm. Something, something like that. Um, which you could see, and then they're starting to... Okay, well, you know, we're starting to remember there. You know, we... We had some good songs there, and a lot of these people that are coming to the concert are fans from probably, you know, half, at least more than half, are going to be the, the diehard Kiss fans back then, um, less casual fans anyway. So, yeah, they, I mean, the Crazy Nights thing, uh, I, maybe it was more exciting there, <laughs> hopefully, than it was here. Um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Um but here it was kind of a not their, in my opinion, their their best tour. Oh. Um, the stage was okay. What stage did they use in in England? Uh, no stage. It wasn't really any amplifiers. Just pretty basic, nothing, right? Um, Very basic. Yeah, yeah. So they should have probably used something else, but I think it was too expensive to. You know, mm. sometimes they would pick, you know, as they did, like with Lick It Up, uh, they didn't use the uh, Asylum stage with, the, you know, the huge Kiss logo and so on. I mean, the Asylum stage was pretty cool. Well, the logo was the was the big deal. Uh, it made it look really cool. And, and they were at that time, they were very colorful in their outfits, obviously. Um, now, looking back at it, it's kind of crazy, but uh, it, it did have its cool look. But now. Well, now with Crazy Nice, they did kind of have their a little bit better outfits uh, in general, um, doing their own thing. They weren't kind of copying each other. Gene had his own thing. Bruce had his own style. Paul, of course, had his own. You know, so everyone was being more individualistic and not kind of copying anything else, as far as I can tell. And Julian's you mute, mute again. You're fired. That's it. Podcast fired. That's okay. My monitor. My monitor died. <laughs> you, you try doing this without a monitor. Is that right? Um, it keeps flickering back to life. So, Daniel, what are your thoughts on Crazy Nights? Obviously, in Europe, you would have had a little bit different perspective because the album was received differently. In mm. in the UK, at least. Well, in the I UK, but you know what happens in the UK affects all of Europe. Yeah, not as much. Not as much as it really? yeah. <laughs> breaks it. Uh, I mean, you're all alone on that island, out of the EU now, and everything. We'll see how it goes for for England in the long run. Well, anyway, uh, I think Crazy Nights was uh, their worst tour 
for a long for a long time. Uh, and I think one of there are probably a few reasons why they started playing classics. One is of course they didn't have new songs that you know could be played live and get people to to root for them because the songs were just not good enough. I mean, Crazy Nights is it works great live, but I don't know after that if there they had any more songs on that album that went over well with the audience. Surely they tried Reason to Live, but I, I don't know. I don't think it was a That's hit live. A, yeah. No, and after that, you really don't have uh, anything. That 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 I mean, Bang Bang You they played for a while. Uh, that's like worst choice ever. One of the, the worst songs, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, maybe if they had Sword and Stone on the album or something, they could have added more songs. But but they simply didn't have the new material, so they had to stray away from the original plan with playing a lot of songs from the latest record. So they had to add new songs, and of course. As time goes on, you start looking back, back more and you feel maybe it's okay to play these songs again and you start playing them again. So uh, I think the set list, sure, it was okay, but the new songs didn't work at all. Uh, if you look back at previous tours, they had always had at least three or four songs that, that were real great. So that was a problem. And the staging was a real problem. You know, it was so... Uh, they had nothing on stage, and uh, the amplifiers. Hopefully, there were speakers in them. We don't know, but yeah. but uh, uh, and I think the band looked kind of tired. And once again, I think at least Paul feeds a lot of the audience. And this tour, they didn't have great attendance in in Europe and not in America either. So uh, I think he he. I mean, there there are some famous quotes from him floating around that. They should buy two pizzas for all of the audience and stuff like that. Uh, so I think if if he's down, he will start picking on other band members and he will drag them down. And, you know, uh, it won't be a fun tour for the rest of the guys either. And that that's pretty obvious. And from what I've seen from the American Crazy Night Store, like that Philadelphia show, it's awful. I mean, if you compare that to Hard in the Shade just a few years later, it's like night and day. So uh, I don't really like the Crazy Nights story. I'm not sure if I like the costumes. Gene looks all right. Paul... Bruce. Kind of, I don't know if I, I like... What's the symbol? Is wearing some sort of uh, atomic nucle- bomb. Yeah, yeah the nuclear. nuclear. Yeah, yeah. The nu- yeah. I mean, Bruce, the dangerous nuclear atom man. I, 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 I don't feel it like he's, he's the session player, you know, the the, the, the nice guy. So it, I, I felt it, it didn't fit him at all. And Eric looked all right. So, so. Uh, but the next tour, uh, they started to look a whole lot better than the next European tour. Yeah, Paul Stanley and his Back to the Future sneakers. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. What was that? They were the ones where you could pump up. Yeah, yeah, they were like they were like junior moon boot trainers. I remember those? <laughs> All right, Lonnie, Crazy Nights tour. Crazy Nights tour. What really stands out to me is Black Diamond, like five songs into the set list. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's very different. <laughs> That's wrong. Um, very wrong. Very wrong and very different. And just should be later. I wonder. I wonder how I would feel standing in the audience and five songs in, we go into Black Diamond. I'd be like. 
what, are, are they sick? Are they calling it quits all of a sudden that we're playing Black Diamond? Better it, eat my pizza to... quickly. It's, right. It's... It, it's almost as goofy as playing Rock and Roll Night in the middle of the set. Looks like exactly do which is on the Revenge, revenge Tour. Yeah. Very, very different. Like, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. If it, it works at the end, leave it there. You know what I mean? But yeah, the. It, it, it's interesting when you look at the set list that that's, these songs are coming back. You know, I was made for love and he was back in the set list. We hadn't heard that in in several years at that point, as big of a hit as it was for him. They had completely ignored it for for several years, even touring Europe. Um, and and Strutters in there, and, and obviously Love Gun and, and Shattered Out Loud's back. And you know, we're, we're starting to to look back a little bit and say, I think we can play these songs. And like like Daniel mentioned though too, part of the reason for that is. We we didn't have really five great songs that we can bust out on this album to to play for the audience. So I think obviously that plays a role in that. But it's an inter- it's an interesting set and the first time they've ever opened with Love Gun, which does work as an opener. I like Love Gun as an opener, just a, a punch in the face type of opening song. Because you know they they open a lot of time. You know it's, it's usually Deuce or Detroit Rock City or you know it's, you can almost bet on it being one of the two. Um, but I, I like that. I like this as an opener, like, and I liked it when they did it on on Rock the Nation tour. They, you know, they opened with with Love Gun too. It's a just as a change of pace type of opening song. So I think that was. I think that's a um, a really cool way to open the set. But one one more thing, wasn't it like a shorter set list than the previous tours? It felt like it was very short. I think it was. At least in, in America, it was definitely short. Well, I think it was about the same in Europe. Well, on, on the Monsters of Rock section, yeah, because it was part of a greatest hits, but you know, a, a touring package, it was shortened. The American tour, the sets got shorter and shorter. But I would actually mm-hmm. live for one thing before the end, for them to open up a show with rock and roll all night, just to <laughs> really flip people out, would be awesome. That would just mess with people's heads. Yeah. All right, with the confetti Ken. at the beginning too. Yeah, do do the full ending at the beginning. <laughs> it's like uh, yeah, we reversed you. everything. Yeah. Okay. Did I already talk about this? I did. Didn't did I? you? Okay. Well, I did. So, uh, crazy did. nice tour. I think it benefit. It's a completely different tour than the American one. Uh, once you get to Europe, because you've got the greatest hits coming back in more. Um, I think they really should have given it a, a second chance with more new material from the album, mainly "Turn on the Night." But because it hadn't been a hit, it was still a single. I think they should have forced the issue um, to represent, get rid of Bang Bang You. It should never have ever been performed any more so than Burn Bitch Burn. I mean, it's like, what are you thinking, putting that crap in the set? Um, You're left with just No, No, No and Crazy Nights. And as Daniel rightly points out, that was only really a hit in England. So for the rest of Europe, they're like, you know, play something else. You know, so it, it doesn't really work. The costuming is very bad. I love the addition of Gary Corbett because I think that really helps the mm. sound of the show and makes it better. But, you know, for that air, I'd rather watch Tokyo. I don't want to watch any of the Monsters yeah. of Rock stuff or any of the stuff that comes later. I certainly don't want to listen to any of the American shows either. Uh, you, you rightfully pointed out Philadelphia, just terrible. And Reason to Live is just such a set killer. Um, you know, there, there's no unity. It's like Lick It Up Again. All the costuming's individualistic. 
you know, there's no nothing. Um, so there we go. Let's move on. Revenge in the shade, as I call it, the yeah. Europe, well, <laughs> the English tour because it wasn't the European. English. They yeah. only did a promo tour of select cities after yeah. the fact, but it, it really is hot in the shade in England in 1992. You get the two songs off revenge because it was released during the tour you get leon with the revenge look for the costuming so costuming automatically is a win because they actually mm-hmm. look great um stage wise i say that's a win because leon was really cool and it wasn't the full leon production it was just the background basically you didn't have all the water pipes and those other things that very few people noticed in america during that tour and then the set list it's the music you got that fantastic set list with two new songs. So, Daniel, Europe '92 or England '92? Yeah, I actually my first time I was in England was one month after the tour, so I just missed it, unfortunately. And I still remember there were posters available in the record stores and uh, posters of of the album on the walls. So I think it was kind of popular and. F- from what I can see, the tour was quite a success, even though it seems they made no money on that tour. Maybe because they had uh, recently hired Paul's uh, psychologist or whatever that name, that guy, Jesse Hilson or whatever he's called. Uh, maybe he funneled some money away. I don't know. But but when you watch what's available from, from the tour, it looks simply awesome. As Julian mentioned, the costumes for once look great. Uh, Gene is menacing once again. Uh, Paul looks awesome. And Bruce is like uh, he's found his place in the band and and, uh, still plays real good and moves around a bit more. And it feels like he's uh, he's a veteran now. He knows what he's doing. Uh, uh, And the set list. I think this might be one of the best set lists ever. And I also like the combination of the Hot in the Shade tour and the Revenge tour. I think I prefer Leon to the Statue of Liberty. So, But then I prefer the Revenge set list to the Hot in the Shade set list. So you get the best of, of both wor- worlds. And also they had a pretty strong record now. So instead of having having to play, you know, rise to it and... Uh, I don't even remember what else to play forever and what else did they hide your well they had a couple of they had a few good songs from Hot and Shade, but I felt like Take It Off was a song that worked real well live, even though I could have done without the you know strippers. Uh, but uh and Unholy never worked live, but uh, they had a strong album, they had a new look, and uh, I mean Eric Singer on the drums. For me it was better than with every car i mean they uh the the song sounded so updated and current uh, i remember hearing i St- i think they started with i stole you love on that tour still and that's maybe one of my favorite openers and the way uh, the club tour sounded even in america when you heard eric for the first time it was like man they sound like a real cool current band and the old classic sounded well as also real cool so all in all if i'd pick one show that i could go to it would from all of the european tours from from this 
uh, area we, we've, we've spoken about. I would pick maybe Wembley 92. That will be my pick because the stage is great. They sound great. And um, they. it felt like they were onto something, but then it fizzled out. Uh, I'm not sure why they didn't play more European cities. I'm sure they would have, uh, you know, made a, had a much bigger success than on the Crazy Nights tour in at least Scandinavia. Surely they would have, you know, well over 5,000 people at every concert. But somehow the um, people weren't ready to, you know, put up the money to get, get them over to, to, to Scandinavia and more European countries. But this little small tour was just awesome. They must have got burned really badly during the Crazy Nights tour for their Probably. still not to be able to bring them back yeah. for this because they were a kick-ass rock and roll band again. Lonnie. Yeah, yeah they, they really were a kick-ass rock and roll band again at this point in, in their career. And like Daniel mentioned, just bringing Eric in just gave them this this new, fresh, um, and updated sound. Almost. Not, nothing against Eric Carr. Eric Carr no. was, was absolutely fantastic in, in his era. Um, but just as when Eric Carr came in, he gave them a, a fresh and updated sure. sound in 1980 when he came in. Um, Eric Singer did the same thing for him in 92, and I think just renewed the energy in the band, and the band just got that much tighter. And it's, it's, it's obviously my favorite musical era of the band. I think it's the greatest live era of the band, and this is just this European tour in spring of 92 is just it at its infancy. And we see as this lineup continues to tour into 94 and 95, how stronger they even get. Um, you look at those South American shows in 94 and Japan and Australia in 95, they are getting even better. But this set list and this and this and these shows are 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 fantastic. And, you, and, and they're they're playing those, that old stuff again. They're you know they're they're playing Parasite again. They're playing you know some 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 deeper cut you know old school kiss stuff and just updating the sound to it and the band is finally finally comfortable in their own skin even more so than they were in hot in the shade but you know we're we're trying to talk european and and tours abroad on this show today so the europeans finally get an a a kiss comfortable in their own skin without makeup and you know, these 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 shows deliver, and like you guys said, I, w I wish there would have been more of them. But like Julian mm -hmm. said, they they probably did get burned pretty badly. Yeah, I think you just raised a very interesting point about the whole unoriginal era of the band, that they were comfortable as a band and they were firing on all cylinders. And you've used those metaphors, Lonnie, and I think that's absolutely true. When Eric Singer comes in, they no longer have Eric Carr, who they were having problems with between he and Paul right. in Hot in the Shade. And when Eric joined the band in 1980, they were having issues with Ace, you know, not being 100%, and Gene being Hollywood, and Paul being shopping. And then they move on, and they've got Vinny, who's a problem throughout the, the tour. And then they're into the Bruce era, but, you know, getting comfortable with him. This is like the first time in many years that you've got a band that is comfortable that is just kicking ass, you know, with the music. So, Ken, yeah. your, your thoughts about, you know, hot in, hot in England. Hot in England, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I totally agree with you all. Um, it's, 
Eric comes in. Um, yeah, new energy. Um, plus the then the last what couple tours or they you know they slowed the songs down, which helped too. Uh, it wasn't all that fast paced stuff. But yeah, they 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 used fifteen songs from the seventies. I mean, they really went back and they they pulled them all out. Um, and then the rest was pretty much yeah yeah eighty stuff. Um, and and a little bit of revenge. So, yeah, it's a cool tour. Um, again, using reusing a stage instead of spending the extra money to to bring something over, especially when uh, I don't know was the was the new stage ready yet? I guess it was there ready, huh? The yeah, but they've been Liberty. planning. Don't forget that they've been planning to start the U.S. Revenge Tour much earlier than it actually did, um, but it was delay- postponed until later That's on. That's where so, the club tour came in. Yeah. Yeah, so there probably wouldn't have been time yes. for shipping it back and forth, and, and then to do all the work that they needed to for it in the U.S. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I mean, using that other stage or at least part of the Hot in the Shade stage was you know probably good good idea i mean england had never seen it before so or europe that is so um yeah it's good i think it's they were in again fully dedicated into the band of kiss there's nothing going on outside of kiss with any of the members so they were just you know in sync and and you know blowing people away with the uh, you know this current lineup, which was a really really tight lineup. Is it is it true that there's uh, tape circulating from the Wembley show in mint condition? I've just heard rumors. Anyone who knows that It'll if be there off, is off any... the soundboard, it, another yeah off the, the soundboard. soundboard. <laughs> no idea. Julian's just smiling. Okay. Julian probably knows. Yeah. Julian knows. He's not going to tell him. No idea. No. No clue. I know nothing. Because that would be like the holy grail for me, you know, mm. man. That the that the sound on that tour is just awesome, and the set list as well. Well, let's wrap up with the last two yeah, tours yeah. before the reunion, and they're we've separated them out, but they're basically very similar. South America, or uh, South of America, because it was Mexico as well, which is not South America to be pedantic. Uh, in late '94 followed by mm-hmm. Japan, Australia in 95. The main difference between the two tours, they're both very Spartan because they were traveling overseas in terms of staging. The costuming really didn't change too much from Revenge, if I, I recall correctly. Um, the South American one, they opened with Creatures, and Japan, Australia, they opened with King of the Nighttime World. But I think for most fans of audio, these are the two tours where some of the king of this final lineup and all the praises that we just sung about England 92 kind of come to fruition. That the set list is just insanely long. It's so well balanced between the very best of the unmasked era and the classics. And the performances are just absolutely amazing. So um, visually, I do love Japan because the the stage is kind of neat. But conversely, South American 94, the stage is flat and kind of boring, but the audience makes it spectacular. So, Daniel, I'll start with you on those. 
well as South America, as you said, and as I said previously, they feed off the audience. And once again, they were able to play for huge crowds, and that certainly uh, made them perform at the top of their at the height of their powers. So the South American tour was a bliss for us Kiss fans because we got some new uh, videos, current videos of the band, because those videos were everywhere just a few months after the actual concerts. Uh, so I remember watching, especially the one from, from Chile over and over again. And uh, I, to this day, I put it on once in a while. Uh, so the South America tour was great, even though, as you said, the, the stage wasn't that great. Even though they ha didn't they have the swings and the the logo from from the uh, Honda Shade tour? They had like two separate staging uh, ideas that they used. So I think you're right, so, but I I can only yeah. think of kind of the high angles looking down on them. So that may yeah. that may be true. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty good. Not a whole lot of effects. And if we talk about Japan and uh, Australia, it felt more like a real tour when they were over there. Uh, because uh, if you look at Australia, for example, when they arrived at the uh, airport, it, it was crazy. There's some footage uh, that was like hysteria all over again, like hundreds of persons greeting them. And they play for, I think, 10,000 people almost in Melbourne. And they play, I think, two nights or something like that. So. So they were hot over there, and um, the performances are great. The set lists are great once again. And Japan, unfortunately, were uh, there were a lot of or a big earthquake or something just when they went over. I remember being a bit worried that the, something had happened to Kiss when when they were there. But but uh, so the attendances were were affected by that. But if you look at Tokyo '95 with the soundboard that goes to it. It's just awesome. So, so all of these tours, as you mentioned in the beginning, sound great and are well worth watching once again. All right, Ken, I'm going to let Lonnie have the final word. So Ken, go next. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, uh, from watching videos and, and hearing audio from these, uh, the tour, Monsters of Rock, and so on, um, South America. Um, yeah, they they did have a lot of great sound, great. Great set lists, obviously, yeah. longer. And uh, I, I don't know so much about the stages, you know. Like Daniel said, that they're kind of, you know, pieced together from a couple of things. Um, but that didn't matter as long as the music and their performance, I think, was, was so great. He didn't even care about <laughs> whatever the stage was because um, it sounded so darn good and, and tight and energetic and... I think yeah, like you said, Daniel, that you know the bigger audiences, they, they you know fed off of that stuff. You know they hadn't seen that kind of thing in forever. You know, a time. So um, it was a big, uh, cool tour. I'd, I'd like to hear more audio or and see more video from that from that tour. It'd be great to see. All right, Lonnie. You know, and I alluded to it a few minutes ago already. Those, those 94, 95 shows are some of my favorite shows. And I talked about the, that, um, that those 92 shows in Europe, how, you know, and Julian expanded on how, you know, the band is getting along again 
and they don't have a lot of internal conflict. You know, w when you're at work and, and you're working with someone in the office across from you at the cube next to you, and you just don't like the person, <laughs> well, your performance suffers. But True. when they bring in someone else who, oh, I kind of like the new guy they brought in, well, your work gets a little better. And then you build a little camaraderie with this guy, and all of a sudden, it really goes up. And that's what and that's what's happening here in ninety four ninety five. These guys are really get a, getting along, and they're they're feeling and they're looking at each other like there's nothing in the catalog we can't play together and make it sound kick ass at the same time. And it's so crazy because we all any any Kiss fan will sit here if you have an open mind. Any Kiss fan will sit here and agree that yeah. This version of the band is maybe the best sounding version of the band ever, live. And then it ceases to exist. Yep. Yeah. So like, it's 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 funny how how things sweet. happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Funny that you know? life. Funny old thing. Yeah. So let's end on you know, I I think it's probably going to be clear. Um, if you go back and listen to these tours. What do you listen to the most? You know, which tour and which show is kind of your king of the non-American tours? You know, I mentioned Tickler, and I listened to that a lot back in the day, and I was thrilled when an upgrade of the full show circuit, uh, you know, finally came out, just because that was one of the classic bootlegs as well. But, you know, in recent years, I've been listening to Tokyo 88 the most which is really weird. It's one that I've just enjoyed listening to much more. And, you know, before that, it was Tokyo 95 was my was my king of the 80s, so, or the unmasked era. Ken? Yeah, you mentioned uh, 88. That is a, a very, very good one uh, that I, I go back to sometimes, too. Um, you know, it's a little bit of everything. I, I really don't focus on... I mean, there's some great shows, but I don't keep listening to one over the other. Um, I just kind of like to see the differences in the different tours and the and the music that they did and how how they performed. Even though some were were not so great, I mean, you know, for the most part, um, you know, Crazy Nights for the most part, they most of their tour. But yeah, Japan was great. Um, that's part of that. But uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, I go back to the you know, some of the hot and shade stuff. Um, um, but I don't necessarily listen to, you know, whatever they did over in, in Europe on that one. So, yeah, I, there's no real particular one, at least for me, that I go to. It's just kind of like the mood for me in, in picking some of the stuff uh, at the time. I listen to it. Fair enough. Lonnie? It, you know, it, it's obvious what I'm going to say, but... I, I, I love the, the, the I Wembley love, the Wembley 92 soundboard right right <laughs> when, when's, when's that coming out on uh, off, off the soundboard how you yeah. know speaking of off the soundboard how, how about something from mm -hmm. the 92 through 95 era off yeah the you know let's celebrate yeah. that maybe 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 next year Daniel kind of alluded to mm -hmm. it that you know Next year is a, a big anniversary year. 2022 is a big anniversary year for for Revenge and Creatures. Maybe maybe they give us something off of off of Wembley '92. 
off the soundboard, something like that. Does it exist? I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not saying it does here, but how about something like that for the 30th anniversary of Revenge? Give us that. I mean, because they are labeling this Tokyo thing the 20th anniversary of this show. Well, how about the 30th anniversary of a Revenge show like this with, with this version mm-hmm. of the band clicking on all cylinders? Yeah. What the hell else can you say to that? It's the tw- it's the 30th anniversary of Revenge, 40th of Creatures, and 50th of Wicked Lester. You know, they're, they're your three releases for 2022. Now, Daniel. Well, um, if I look back at uh, the uh, the shows I've listened to the most, there are two stand, stand two that stands out, and the one is Japan '95, of course, just because it's, the sound is so crisp and uh, uh, they play awesome. And the other one is actually a, a show from from the American Club Tour of '92. Brooklyn, I think they play Brooklyn. Uh, it's just a raw. I think it's an audience recording, but it sounds real good and it's really raw. And it's the start of the revenge era, you know. So it's the revenge era in its infancy. And right off the bat, they sound great. So those are my two go-to shows, and of course some South American shows from '94. I still listen to to those a whole lot. All right. Well, great topic. And I also want the twenty, the thirtieth anniversary Wembley show. There you go. Next year. Yeah, just <laughs> we think need of, it. Just think of the demos. Think of you know the outtakes. Ah, oh, yeah, and then some live stuff from that album. Maybe. Yeah, that would be really cool. That'd be very cool, actually. All right, there we are. So, you know, what are your thoughts on the un-American tours? The, when, when Kiss goes un-American um, and tours outside of the United States or North America as it is, you know, what are your favorite shows? What are your favorite aspects of them? You know, costumes, staging, things that you got to see. I mean, there's a lot of you who watch this show from Scandinavia and from Australia. So what are your thoughts specifically, because I do watch our demographics, um, you know, mm-hmm. what are your standout shows? And if you have to pick one bootleg or one recording that you think everyone should listen to, that you think is the best representation from these tours, you know, chime in, let us know what it is. So that's it. That's our topic. Daniel, thank you for staying up late and coming up with the topic and taking over when I had to take the phone call. Um, it's been one of those shows today. So for now, from Daniel, Lonnie, Ken, and myself, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. See ya. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.